0: hi there precious friends i'll use a southern term and say we are so tickled that you would take the time to join us today for session number five in our series on discovering the dynamics of prayer and today we're going to talk about the model prayer the model prayer the disciples had been with jesus and had observed his life for a while they had seen the crowds pressing against him and they had seen him deliver some from demons, and heal the sick, and cleanse the leper, and provide a big catch of fish, and heal a paralytic, and raise the dead, and teach multitudes, and calm storms, and feed thousands. And they had observed Jesus' prayer life. They had watched him through all of these events, and they knew that he frequently slipped away from the crowds to be alone with the Father to pray. Well, they realized that Jesus' ministry was built around prayer. Jesus always received instructions from the Father, and every decision and every challenge had been covered with prayer. And Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says, And it came to pass that while he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just like John also taught his disciples. Well, did you ever want to learn to pray? Did you ever think about it much? Have you ever just stood in awe at the answers some other people get to prayer and think, well, my prayers don't get answered like that? Do you ever just feel like something must be wrong with you because you don't get answers like that? Or do you think that prayer may be just kind of worthless because God's gonna do what He's gonna do anyway, so there's really no need in talking about it? Well, like these disciples, we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. And in His Word, He's given us some basics that we all need to know in order to pray effectively. It's a basic, and simple and biblical pattern. And the first thing we need to notice is that prayer can be taught. Prayer can be taught. That's a good thing to me because some things, you know, you just know by uh, nature or by intuition, but most things in life you can be taught. And so this tells us that prayer can be taught. Prayer is a skill. That we can learn the disciples said lord teach us to pray and jesus responded with when you pray pray this way when you pray pray this way and so as we learn to pray it's going to come little by little with knowledge and application and time and experience and over a long period of time as we become faithful prayers then we're going to be better and better prayers We're going to know more and more about how to pray and how the Lord responds. Well, these disciples had seen Jesus pray, and they knew Jesus understood how to pray, and they wanted to be taught how to pray, so they did the right thing. They went to the expert. Jesus was the expert prayer, and so that's what we're doing. We're going to go to the expert. We're going to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Word of God, and we're going to see what we can learn as together we are learning to pray. Jesus answered the disciples' request by giving them what we call the Lord's Prayer. The prayer is recorded both in Luke chapter 11 and in Matthew 6. Now, the occasion in Matthew 6 was the Sermon on the Mount, and there Jesus gave this pattern for prayer without being asked. But in Luke chapter 11, someone asked the Lord. One of the disciples asked the Lord to teach them to pray. And so in two distinct events at two separate times, the Lord gives essentially the same pattern for prayer. Jesus didn't say, here's a prayer you should pray. He didn't say, this is, these are words that you, you should say. He gives us a model, it's a pattern, it's kind of a form to follow. Um, Jesus didn't mean that they were to simply just say that prayer over and over, and especially not to do it rotely and thoughtlessly. In fact, in Matthew, before he said, pray this way, he had already said, when you are praying, do not use meaningful repetition, meaningless, meaningless repetition. Don't do that. And so he had already said that when he gave this model prayer. Jesus was using a manner of instruction that the Jewish rabbis were using in that day. He was teaching his disciples, I guess we could call it an index of prayer. Uh, Index prayers were uh, a collection of brief sentences and each of those sentences suggested a topic or a subject that would follow it for and then in this case for prayer many faithful believing biblical scholars believe that what we call the Lord's Prayer gives us the ingredients for effective prayer so that it indeed is a model prayer it is our example it gives us indexes it gives us topical sentences about things to cover when we are praying Uh, we can pray uh, according to this index we can pray according to this topical form of what we're calling the lord's prayer so the lord summarized all the truths about prayer the basic contents of prayer in these few short sentences so in our lesson today we're going to think briefly through the pattern that the Lord Jesus gave us. Now, listen to me, we can barely scratch the surface. To do a real study of the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, we could spend several weeks. And so, all we're going to try to do today is to get an idea of what this is about and of what needs to be included. in an an effective prayer life. Perhaps we can see the wealth of each of these short sentences just as we chat about them for just a minute, but let's just see if we can learn some basic vital truths about effective prayer. There are two spiritual activities which are to be an unceasing part of a believer's life. One is being in the word of God, reading the word of God. The other one is prayer. Those two things are vital to the life of a believer. They are like two support beams that hold up a believer's life. So all of us as believers need to constantly be involved in prayer and constantly be involved in studying God's word. So prayer is our speaking to God. And when we study God's word, God is speaking to us. So it becomes a conversation. So even when you sit down to read God's word, it's a good thing to ask Him before you begin to say, "Would You teach me in Your word? Show me what it is You want to say to me that I want to need that I need to know today." So um, we are all to constantly be involved in both of those things. Those things are to be our way of life, our lifestyle. That. We don't question whether we're going to do them today or not. It's just a part of what we do because of who we are. And so every statement in this prayer, in this model prayer, focuses on God. So really, we can say that prayer is really all about Him and our relationship with Him and our ability to to converse with Him. So let's begin with the first statement, which is our Father who art in heaven. You know that, our Father who art in heaven. The prayer begins with the recognition that God is our Father. Our refers to believers, believers. God is a Father, and believers are His children. He is a good Father who loves, who cares, who longs to have fellowship with His children. Um, Maybe you didn't have an earthly father who cared for you or who talked to you, but if you're a believer, now you've got one. This is the best father. He is an example for fatherhood. Well, he is waiting for you and me to talk with him. He wants to talk. He wants to communicate. He wants to know, he wants us to verbalize our thoughts to him. And then he's going to speak back to us. So we can tell him our fears. We can tell him our concerns. We can tell him our hopes and our needs. And we can ask him what he, what he wants. Uh, It's good to just say, Lord, what's on your mind today? What are you burdened about today? What do you want me to see today? And whatever comes to your mind, by faith, we're going to take it being from, from the Lord. So write it down and watch for it and see how he works in that situation. Well, to learn what he is like, we go to his word. And God's fatherhood gives us confidence in our praying. We don't have to be shy about going to God as our Father. Uh, He has eternal and unlimited resources, and He loves us. And we're going to obey Him. He is a worthy Father. We work together with Him to accomplish His purpose, His will. Now, according to God's Word, no one can call God Father apart from Jesus. Until a person is born again, God is not his or her father. Um, John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 say this, But as many as received him, that would be Jesus Christ, as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. Uh, Prayer is the privilege of those who are children of God. Prayer begins with worship. You see that in this first statement, hallowed be thy name. Uh, Hallowed means holy, consecrated, uh, purified, sanctified. Uh, I think of it as set apart from all others, different from all others. His name is to be reverenced above all others. You know the commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Well, the name of the Lord includes all that by which God makes himself known, and that he is, and he shows himself to be. All of those things are included in his name. Now, God's names testify of his character. Um, Some of the names of God in Scripture are Creator, the Most High, the Lord our righteousness, the Lord our peace, the Lord will provide, the Lord my shepherd, the Lord that healeth, the Lord is there. And if I say, well, uh, I'm sorry, but I just can't believe that God is creator or I just don't believe that God will provide all my needs, then I'm taking the Lord's name in vain because I'm denying what he says is a part of his character and his character is his name. Is his name so many who may never think about taking the Lord's name in vain by swearing or by speaking of it in a casual slang way still can desecrate his name when they doubt or deny his character so we should be careful about how we treat God's reputation his name what we think of him now the opposite of taking the Lord's name in vain is hallowing it. So when we say hallowed or hallowed be thy name, then when we then we acknowledge and respect who God is and behave accordingly. Behave accordingly. So using this model prayer as an index to how to pray, then we first address God in worship by bowing before him and acknowledging who he is. The second index sentence is thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. When I say thy kingdom come, I am confessing or affirming that I have relinquished my rule over my life to the king. I confess that. In salvation, the sinner bows the knee to the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is king of kings. And so it is the recognition that the sinner bows the knee to King Jesus. He is king of the kingdom of God. So we bow our knee to King Jesus, and his program replaces my program. I can no longer say, I did it my way. At least if I do, I'm in a mess. And so bowing before him, doing it his way, he is king. So the phrase, thy kingdom come, is a confirmation in prayer of our allegiance to the sovereign rule of the kingdom of God. I am pledging allegiance to his kingdom, and I am committed to furthering his kingdom in the world. In Matthew chapter six and verse 33, Jesus said, seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the kingdom of God is the people of God in the world. In the world, and I guess too in heaven, but we're talking about us right here, right now. So we're to work on this earth To build God's kingdom our hearts are to be on his kingdom our intentions are to be to advance his kingdom Um, so we're saying when we say thy kingdom come we're, we're praying may the supernatural spiritual realm of believing people advance let's get more going here for the kingdom of God and so how does it come it first of all comes by salvation That's the way you build the kingdom by evangelism, where where we see other people getting saved. And then it comes through sanctification as those people begin to think more and more like God, act more and more in obedience to him uh, and see his character um, be born more and more in us so that the world begins to see the kingdom of God is something different. Um, So through our increasing in submission, our increasing submission to the king, the king of king and, and, of, and lord of lords to his lordship, then, um, then we are advancing the kingdom of God on earth. Uh, it also will be consummated in the second coming of Jesus Christ. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying, Jesus, come on. Just come on back. Come and establish your kingdom in this world. Well, the third prayer topic is, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of praying is finding God's will. Um, That's how prayer changes us. And so when we find God's will, and in submission we pray that will back to God, then we are cooperating with God we're learning how to pray and we're freeing him up to be God and to transfer his power from heaven to earth. God's will is already done in heaven. You know, sometimes um, maybe in our lives, maybe especially when you were younger, maybe you were afraid of God's will, that it would be something awful. Um, I think that some things God calls us to do are not always pleasant, but think about heaven for a minute. Is there a better place than heaven? And yet heaven is a place where God's will is done. So we can look at what we know about heaven and see that that's what happens when God's will is done. So we pray for that will to be done in this life and on, in, in, on this earth. In heaven, there's not any discussion about whether or not you're going to do God's will. It's not given uh, any thought. It's done without wavering. Uh, It seems that angels are eager for the next command so that they can just hurry and go do the next thing God tells them to do. That's what heaven's like. And we're to transfer that mindset to earth in our relationship with God and in what we do in the world. So at the root of thy will be done, is dying to self, dying to self. When I truly give him rulership and lordship over my life and his ways overcome my ways. His will overcomes my will. So in true prayer, God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will are dominant. We're not going to pray, thy will be done with any resentment. You know, sometimes we could pray, well, thy will be done, like what I feel before God doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters to God. So, but we're not to pray that with any resentment or any indifference that says, you know, well, whatever, whatever will be, will be. That's not God's heart for the kind of prayer, effective prayer that we're learning here, um, Maybe thy will be done sometimes has made us indifferent, and we've just stopped being persistent in prayer because we just say, well he's going to do whatever he wants to do that's not the purpose of thy will be done uh, sometimes we just see it as a theological thing you know we'll call somebody's call on to pray publicly, and they just say that, and maybe don't even really know what they're praying um, but it you know it just to, to to take it that way means that we think that Everything that's gonna happen is inevitable and we don't really matter. No, that's why God wants us to learn to pray and communicate with him. So in thy will be done, we are saying, Lord, your will is not being done here. Now we can look around the mess we're in in this world today and see God's will is not being done because it's nothing like heaven, is it? Lord, your will is not being done here. Your will is not being done In my life, your will is not being done in the lives of other believers. There is disobedience all around. So it can be a form of confession. So when we pray thy will be done, we're taking a position against the rejection of Christ. We're taking that position against, uh, 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 we're taking position against the ways of the world and for the kingdom of God. They're not the same thing. They do not think the same way. They do not behave the same way. So, you know, God doesn't want to tolerate sorrow and chaos, confusion, or he would not have said there'll be no tears in heaven. So we look at all this stuff going on in the world and know this is not God's plan. So we pray, thy will be done, because if God's will is done, that mess is going to stop. So we participate with God in praying and walking out his will on earth. Jesus didn't accept status quo. Uh, When we pray thy will be done, we are standing against sorrow and sickness and sin and all of those things that are not in heaven. So we pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The fourth subject or index sentence is, give us this day our daily bread. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is the word us, us. Prayer shows our total dependence on God and we are to go to him asking for the supply of our daily needs. Not just individual needs, but us, the needs of other believers as well. To try and have our needs met apart from seeking God is to wind up with frustration and anxiety and envy and quarrels and conflicts. We need God. We need his provision and we need to humble ourselves to ask for it. To try to act independently of God is to deny that we need him. We don't need to do that. That is not smart because we do need him. And, you know, we just cast aside his promises when we do that. We're to engage ourselves in knowing that we need God in asking for his provision in praying and pleading the promises of God back to him as we see them where? In his word. Because as believers, we're gonna be in that word on a daily basis. Us is important here. We pray for believers all over the world who have no food, no water. Some of them can't not only have water to drink, they don't have water to bathe. And we need to be aware of the needs of other believers in other parts of the world. You know, as I'm teaching you today, there's dreadful uh, ice storm across the country where so many people don't have heat. They don't have water. Even in their homes, they're freezing. So give us, them, Lord. Those people need your intervention. They need your provision. And we are supposed to ask for everything. Everything. Number five, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Ooh, what a loaded index sense. We're going to have to take the subject of forgiveness sometime and just do that. We need to do that. It's a problem for all of us. But there's so much in Scripture about forgiveness. Forgiveness is mankind's greatest spiritual need. Mankind's greatest spiritual need is forgiveness. Uh, Apart from forgiveness... Um, we pay our own penalty for sin. If it were not for God's forgiveness, what kind of mess would we be in? So apart from forgiveness, we can never enter into a relationship with God. When I come into a relationship with God, for His forgiveness for all of my sin is part of that commitment. It's part of that union. And He gives us His forgiveness completely, graciously. Even as Christians, as we walk through the world, we're going to sin. We're going to walk through things that are not clean. So we're going to need a daily cleansing. We bring our sins to the Lord on a daily basis. Now, he's surely, he's already forgiven my sin, past, present, and future sin. But to maintain that fellowship with him, that power in my life, then I'm going to keep those sins, confessed before the Lord up to date so that I acknowledge to him, yep, I see what you're saying. I know what I did. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. And that keeps communication lines open. And it keeps us being able to walk in the power of God. So daily confession of sin brings usefulness and joyfulness and intimacy with God. Now, as we look at the order of this model prayer, we just can know that God had a purpose in the order of the sentences, in the way that he gave these index sentences. And so we might kind of look at it and think, well, why did he wait so long in the list to bring up forgiveness? I don't know, but think about it for a minute. Remember that he began with worship, and then there's a longing for his kingdom, to be established and to expand on earth. There's a desire for his will to be done. There's asking for his provision for my needs. And then there's forgiveness. That brings me to that place of confession, of agreeing with God. And so when I genuinely worship God and tell him that I desire his will and I ask for his provision, then, Maybe I see then myself and my sin. So I hold it before him again. I cast myself on him again. And as he grants me his forgiveness, who am I to say that I'm not going to give that same forgiveness to others? Let me tell you what. If Jesus died for all the sins of the world, who am I to say? that I am not going to provide that forgiveness to another person. We'll talk about it more at another time, but that's a big deal. We forgive others because of Christ. And when Christ died for all of the sins of all of the world for all time, and he is going to deal with that sin. He is going to cleanse that sin. As we go to him over and over every day, he cleans us, he keeps us cleansed. Am I gonna look at another person and say, uh-uh, that doesn't include you. I'm gonna hold this against you, even if Jesus doesn't. Ooh. We need to think about that. Who am I to say? that forgiveness is not available, and we are conduits of the life of Christ. So we are conduits through which forgiveness is going to flow to those who have sinned against us. Number six, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There are all kinds of misunderstandings about this. Let me just tell you a little bit about it. The word lead in the original language means bring us to. Do not bring us to temptation. Uh, It's saying, God, I'm asking you to not let me get close to that temptation at any point in time. Don't let me go there. Now, the Greek word translated temptation here also sometimes is used for trials and testings. Temptation is a good translation. But we know it's not saying God don't lead me into sin because that's against God's character. It's against God's word. So that, that can't be what it is. And so we know that it's not that God don't lead me in sin because he's not going to do that. He's done everything imaginable keeps from it. So what is this saying? This is a kind of preventive prayer. This is a kind of prayer where I let God know that um, I want my heart to be set on righteousness. That's what I want. But I know my weakness. I know the weakness of my flesh. And I know that there are some temptations. If I get too close there, I might mess up and yield to the temptation so there are those times when we know in life that we might be inclined to respond to that temptation improperly and we'd fall into sin so scripture tells us that trials and testing produce endurance in us but if we don't respond properly to those trials and testings then we can sin Uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse one, Jesus said, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. So we acknowledge that our flesh is weak even though our spirits are willing. And so when I pray, lead me not into temptation, it's saying, Lord, prevent this. Help me not get to a spot where I am so inclined to fall. Because in that I know my own weakness and I know his strength and I know that he is about the business of protecting us, of keeping us from sin. Why all of this? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, so be it. So if we use these sentences as topics, let's say if you, if you take a book and you look at the index in the book, and let's say you look at the index and you find a word, you're gonna find all kinds of information in that book about that topic, what's listed in that index. So that's what this is. And so if I'm going to use these sentences as topics or as an index, then I'm just going to take each one and I'm going to fill in after each one of them. Our Father who art in heaven. And so then I can tear off on what it means for God to be my Father. How grateful I am for my salvation. How grateful we are that he has a father relationship with all of his children. How, what, what it must be like for him to be in heaven and yet on earth at the same time with me, in me. Hallowed be thy name. And then I can pray about that for a while. Lord, show me the times that I tend to take your name in vain by not hallowing it. Show me what it is to really hallow your name. And we can focus on his character. We can focus on his names. We can hallow that name and realize that it's set apart and that he's given us as his children the privilege of using that name. Thy kingdom come. So that I'm going to talk to him about that for a while. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes I just like to think about what heaven is like being a place where God's will is done. Can you imagine if we would start doing God's will on earth? What a transformation there would be here. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, I have nothing that you do not give to me. I have friends, we, we read about people, we see people on the news who are hungry, who have no place to go. Give them their daily provision. So it becomes a form of intercession. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, there's some people I'm having a hard time really forgiving, and I want to understand what that kind of forgiveness really is. Well, you showed me that and teach me that. I'm offering you my heart that you would give me your desires, you would give me your intentions for forgiveness, as I'm forgiving others. and as I do not hold their sin to their account. Lead us not into temptation. I'm weak, Lord. There are some temptations that I am surely likely to fall. Deliver me. Deliver me from the evil one. Not just that you've delivered me from him for eternity, but deliver me from him and show me how to do warfare against him on a daily basis. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You are the one. You are the only one who can do this. I submit to you. Now, you may not have a long enough prayer time where you wanna pray all of that through at one time. Sometimes you might, but sometimes, you may just wanna take one of those sentences in different times of prayer. Because what's happening is, as we develop a praying life, we're gonna have a spirit of prayer developing in our minds and in our habits And as that goes on and on and on, it could be while you're driving down the road, that kingdom come comes to you. And you can talk to the Lord about his kingdom coming. What might that be like? What does that look like? And then I can get the word of God out and see what it's gonna look like when God's kingdom comes. So we can pray through this prayer over and over and never get to the end of it. So let's use this together to give us some points on the elements of effective prayer. And let's start doing this. And the more we do it, the better we're going to get at it. And we're going to get to be better and better prayers. And our prayer lives are going to be more and more effective. And we're going to be able to see God move. How do I know? Because we've just learned from the expert This is what he said do. So in obedience, let's do it. God bless you, and I look forward to being with you next time.